welcome to another episode of Fundamentals. I'm your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode is podcast extraordinaire from Skip to the End and Mark and me, Mark Woodjet. Mark very kindly agreed to take some time out of his very busy schedule to discuss something that he is a die-hard fan of, the movie Jaws. I really couldn't have picked a better guest to uh, to do this topic on, and if anyone's listened to Skip to the End, you'll know that Mark can talk about this film all day long, and he has some incredible insights on it. So we just talk about that. We talk about, really, actually, film in general towards the end, and we get a little bit off topic, but that's okay. We're happy to do that here at Fundamentals, especially when it's with somebody as nice and as interesting as Mark. So without further ado, let's get straight to the topic. This is Jaws with Mark Woodjet. Hello, Mark, and welcome to Fundamentals. Hello, and thank you for inviting me. It's been a long time coming. It has, my friend. Yeah, you've been really, really helpful in the background to me starting all of this up. So absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, so when I reached out to you, it, it kind of seemed fitting given your background, especially with like Skip to the End and how much you guys talk about movies, that we can go a little bit more niche on this episode. Uh, specifically, I thought we could talk about your, I think it's your favourite film of all time, if I'm not mistaken, Jaws. Oh, I thought we were talking about Mac and Me today. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Genuinely, I could do that as a bonus episode one day or something, <laughs> so people can understand what the appeal is. <laughs> yeah, Jaws sounds good to me. I would love to talk about it, and I think it's the one thing I can talk about for mm. literally days. Awesome. So I'll just start simple then. When was, well, when were you introduced to the Steven Spielberg classic? I think I was a kid. I don't think I was like five or six. I think I was like nine or 10. And it was one of those ones, I think it was on TV or it might've been a VHS, but I just remember seeing the cover and seeing that shark and the image. And as a kid, I used to love going to the seaside locally with my parents, you know, just going to Barmouth and sitting there and just sitting on the beach and just building sandcastles. And it just felt like the best place. All the families would go there, having a nice scream. I associate it with just a nice day out, even if it's Blackpool or somewhere. It's just a lovely day out. Um, we never went on holidays abroad or anything like that. And I remember seeing the cover and I was like, oh, my God, like that looks that looks scary. Straight away, I was like, wow. But as a kid, you're not thinking, oh, wow, look at the artwork. Look at the woman who's going by. It just had this colourful image. And I think I might have put it on telly without my mum or dad knowing or on a VHS. And I didn't get through it all. You know, the opening scene where you're seeing this attack on the beach is just terrorising now at nearly 40 years old, never mind when I'm 10. So it's a... The late, the late eighties, early nineties. Brilliant, yeah. I was, was going to say, fair play. If you're a kid and you can get, if you're an adult, you can get through that opening scene. Never mind, as you say, a child. <laughs> it's like gives you nightmares now just thinking about it. But um, so what was it that made you sort of come back to that film then and and develop a love for it? I think there's something weird about being scared. It's like a horrible feeling, but it's something that you want to revisit i don't know why okay it scares you or makes you think you want to delve deeper don't you yeah and i wasn't completely scared off so i think when i started to then enjoy films maybe at school you know um 
I just wanted to watch it all the way through and get through it. So I, I think I just rented it from Blockbuster Video back in the day when there wasn't Netflix and all this sort of stuff. And I sat there and watched it all. And I just was appreciating film more for not just being a thing that my parents would take me to on a Saturday, you know, to a cinema and watch stuff like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This was a an experience. And I just remember watching it and thinking, again, I, I still wasn't like I am now. I wasn't sitting there thinking, wow, look at the three lead acting performances. Look how great this is. I didn't even care about the characters. I just love this story that the sea was this big unknown place and the ocean could kill and terrorize people. And it was just, what a great concept, like what's out there. And when they do find it, it's the scariest thing out there because it's real. It's not like a, a poltergeist or these films we see now, like demons and stuff it's literally something that we could come across if we went in the ocean ourselves and that's that's terrifying isn't it mm, yeah that's that's really interesting what you said there and yeah I'm personally not a, a big horror guy but I know what you mean like certain films like Jaws stands out to me as a classic and I yeah. think you're right that's definitely a reason why is it touches something quite um I guess quite real or primal in our, yeah. in our heads like you say you, you could physically you know have an experience similar to what happens in a, in a lot of the film um so well, that happens, doesn't it i mean if you look yeah. at it now you put the news on and it's like yeah young boy bitten today in australia by a great white shark and you're like see he's still out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah spielberg was right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's so true man and you know so kind of leading on from that then so a lot of people would perhaps listen to this and think Okay, Mark, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a classic film, you know, it's scary and has all this stuff going for it. But some people might just be a bit cynical and say, well, it's just a film. So what, what would you kind of say to that? I get it, and some people are wrong, you know. <laughs> um, if you look at it as a, an experience, as... What I really love about Jaws is that there's so much stuff out there that you can read about behind the scenes, the making of all the stuff from documentaries, Shark Week's always great because you always read about, you know, how this film went over budget, all the odds were against Steven Spielberg. It was meant to completely basically stop production. They had to rewrite while they're on set. Carl Gottlieb was sitting there literally rewriting some of the script and then handing it to the actors. I mean, it, it, this, everything was against it. The production of these kind of robotic sharks were like failing in the water. And I love all that. I love that against all the odds, it then came out to be the ultimate summer blockbuster. So maybe the film for me, I know it's my favorite film, I absolutely adore it, but maybe the film to some people isn't all that. But the fact is there's so much more to it. You know, you can read about the way that Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus didn't like each other. So the tensions on set were real so maybe on some of those scenes when they're kind of biting at each other maybe that's real and maybe that's so good and portrayed so well on screen because there is actually a bit of hate and dislike on that set maybe them being away on water in these really difficult conditions and Spielberg's second only film he's still amateur at this point he's still getting to find his way but he never gave up he never walked off set he never threw in that white towel and you know what like I'm so glad he didn't because it is a masterpiece it's the best film ever made it has the best three 
actors, I believe, in lead roles that all should have won an Oscar. It's directing is unbelievable. The way the score is by John Williams is just absolutely flawless. And we're now 45 years later talking about it and the celebrations, there's new vinyls coming out, there's new t-shirts, there's always something. And it seems to be that it'll just never go away. Like thinking in five years that we get to celebrate 50 years and shops are still doing brand new designs, new baseball caps, new books. I've literally got a new book a couple of weeks ago and it's like, there's always gonna be stuff to discover. So if someone says to me, it's just a film, they're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, well said. And yeah, I I think I was thinking about this earlier um, and I'm so glad you touched upon that. I definitely agree with you. That's something that for any film, but especially Jaws is a perfect example of why you can um, basically develop a deeper appreciation is, as you say, the behind the scenes. Yeah. The stories and Jaws is something like you say, it feels like every couple of years there's a new book or there's a new yeah. documentary or something that comes out and there's like another layer that you didn't realize it's like there was other things going on and you just as you say the more if any i would encourage anyone to go and look these up i'm pretty sure you can find some of them on youtube it's insane and like, it's the amount of stuff that went wrong and you think anybody else would have just thrown in the towel and gone nah this is just yeah. not meant to be um yeah like you say second ever movie cast that were all over the place props failing like i think famously the reason why you don't if anyone has seen the film I mean, obviously spoilers um yeah. <laughs> for a 45 year old film um you know you don't see the shark for the a fair chunk of it is because it wasn't working yeah it wasn't there so i think that is genius in itself to see how spielberg got around that and actually it ended up working in the film's favor as we said earlier that opening scene still haunts you today even though you even though it was nothing, there was yeah. literally nothing there, it's still terrifying. And you think that almost probably wouldn't have happened had everything been working correctly. We could have got something that might have been quite flat or no, nowhere near as scary. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people now say the shark doesn't look real. And it's like, well, it was 1975 and it still looks <laughs> great. But the fact is, yeah. with shots of the ocean and the camera slowly panning towards just a set of legs that you can just see dangling in the water, your mind goes anywhere with that. You know, if you want to, you can go really deep with those thoughts and think, oh my God, it's about to bite her or is it going to swim past? And isn't that great that it lets to you as a viewer kind of take it to how far you want and how extreme. And then now and then when you do get an attack, you just get the red of blood, you know, like that kind of like lilo just washes up along the sea at the start and there's blood after it. It's just harrowing. You're just like, oh my God, like, there's that much blood in this huge ocean and you still see the impact it's had and then just the bite mark and the way that it's just destroyed. It's like, I didn't need to see a kid eaten. I didn't need to see a kid screaming. That, as a, it's just so symbolic. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. So like you said, I think the fact that a lot of the production didn't go to plan and this mechanical shark didn't work left him with an option and he chose then to just, well, it's about what you don't see. And that, that just for me, is the biggest fear. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, again, really well said. Um, just talking about that, Lila, you just, you got me thinking that scene, the, the Alex Kintner scene as it's known. Yeah. I mean, that's a masterclass in directing. <laughs> that's another reason that makes this, that for a lot of people, why we love this film and keep coming back to it. 
is, I mean, I, I got to study that in English for some reason. I mean, shout out to my teacher, Mr. Budge, if you're out there, you're a legend. That was an amazing uh, term. We just got to watch Jules. Um, awesome. Yeah, it was cool. But watching that scene in particular and focusing on it, like the opening shots, the tracking shots, you follow, you follow little Alex walking up the beach with his, with his Lilo, as you say. Yeah. And you don't realise it. But Spielberg is showing you everything you need to know in this scene. In that one shot, he walks past, I think, the three or four red herrings that are in the shot and it ends on Brody. And so subconsciously, your brain's registered everything. And you're just like, oh, and so when all the other stuff starts happening, when there's the red herrings and then there's the attack, everything, you, your brain's already taken it in. So you're not surprised, you're not confused, yeah. you're, you're just in the moment and you're terrified you're in the same seat as Brody you're seeing all of this happen and of course there's that infamous shot of the I think is it the camera zooming in and then him being pulled forward at the same time and it creates that brilliant effect where it's like you're now in his head and it's so good straight into it and you know that shot I know it's been like now replicated and people have done it in so many different things you see it's like you know I think I saw it in something like Baby Driver recently I was thinking it's still getting used just as much today but right just genius it's such a small thing to do and it's one of the most used shots now and if you ever go on instagram or twitter or whatever, you always see the gif of that you know yeah. and it's just what is it less than two seconds and it's it, the impact it gives you is just it's just amazing yeah there's so much in it i mean yeah i just think about it now that there's still I, like i said i'll watch it probably once a year and there's still moments where I find myself jumping or bit I don't know about you, that scene where um they they dive down to the boat that's been yeah. attacked and then that body pops up. Every time I jump, every yeah, even I could I could time it. I could sit there and time it and go, I know, I know when it's gonna come out, but every time I still jump out of my chair and still like, oh it's a sound as well. I think there's like some violin just like a yeah. and it's just I know it's 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 so good and the way the head looks it just pops out of nowhere and you're just not expecting it and even though you know it's coming you don't know exactly the millisecond you're like here it comes you're like, oh god there it is and it yeah I've watched the film a hundred times and I, I still still get like the shock that the very first time I saw it and I was talking to Carl Gottlieb who did the writing of this um and the script and he said that you know when they were filming all that they actually created that effect in the water by adding milk. Oh, right. That's how it was all misty. And I'm like, oh my God, like I never realized. And he's put, you know, they're pouring milk into this water mm. and that's the way they created it. And I'm like, all those little bits you just don't even think about. You just think, oh, they're just filming in like a murky water. No, they made it murky by adding in some Cravendale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other brands are available. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, again, it's it's all the little behind the scenes stuff like that. Um, I, I'm gonna say, would you recommend any documentaries or books just on that note? Um, I just mentioned Carl Gottlieb, but um, the Jaws log. It's like for me the best. Yeah, I think it is my favorite making of book where you can sit there, and you'll learn so much more and appreciate so much more about the film. Mm. About six quid on Amazon, and it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, mm. There's always new books coming out and there's a lot of art books um but there's a making of um that's on the blu-ray um give that a watch i, I can't remember what it's called it mm. might be like the shark still working or something like that but that's worth a watch um but the book definitely 
the Jaws log by Carl Gottlieb is my favourite Jaws book. Brilliant, thank you. So there, there you go, guys. If you want someone to go and, and discover all of these mental stories, like the more yeah. I hear, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Um, speaking of, I I think like you mentioned earlier the actors. So again, what is it about the the three leads then? Because they're three very distinct characters. Yeah, it's. I never think anyone will ever put a cast of three such amazing leads together in a film ever again. I know there's these great casts where you get stuff like The Avengers, where there's a great group of characters, but the chemistry between 12 superheroes is not on the same level as this. I don't know if it's only because there's three of them. I don't know what it is. It just works. So you've got Brody, and obviously Roy Schneider is just an incredible actor. Um, it was taken from us too soon. Everyone always asks me, if you could have any guest on Mark and Me, who would it be? I think it'd be Roy. I'd love to sit and talk to him about Jaws because he is Jaws for me. And he's that lovable guy. The relationship he has with Ellen is, for me, like relationship goals. I think they're the perfect sort of family. They get to live by the sea, which is my ultimate dream. They've got the kids. And you think that's the perfect life. And he's not really heroic. He's out of his depth. Never stops fighting, and he seems like an amateur when he's on that boat. You know, he's yeah. making mistakes. Yeah, and even though he's a trained sheriff or officer, you know, he's not on the same level as Quint when it comes to getting your hands dirty and just getting the job done. So you've got the complete opposite when we're then introduced to Quint. You know, Robert Shaw is an amazing actor. He's done theatre work. He's done stage work. Again, taken from us too soon. And he's the complete opposite of Brody. He's never had much money. He's not in a professional job. You know, you know what I do for a living. You know, it's yeah. like... That intro, I was going to say, the nail on the jaw. That's like, that is one of the best character intros ever. It's, it's incredible, you know. Yeah. And he's eating away on like a cracker and he's yeah. just, it's just you do not take your eyes off that whole scene and it's just it completely gets me it's captivating from the moment he scratches that board and it's like I think he's probably one of the best actors of all time um so you've got those two and then to throw in the mix Richard Dreyfus as Hooper like the geeky the, the guy that's got all the gadgets the guy that has counted money all his life, you know, that sort of yeah. city boy. Yeah. Couldn't get any further away from Quint than that. So they shouldn't work together. There's everything against them. Their personalities are so different. Their upbringings are different. They've had different roots. So to then see the way that they are together and the way that they're always bickering and things aren't going right and it's constantly Quint going at Hooper like, you know, you're not doing this right and shouting and all this. And Brody just wants it to hopefully pay off because it's him that's put his neck on the line saying we will pay 10,000 and get this done and then you see the way that they are and the chemistry and the way that they all gel together and there's that scene where we know with the big speech by Quint which is just absolutely mind-blowing and I've never ever got bored of watching it or listening to it and I just don't know how, you know the night before he turned up and did it drunk and it wasn't right and he still can tell he's a bit tipsy and it, I think they needed that. But the way that they're all sharing those memories of the scars and then it's kind of like Hooper and Quint accept each other a bit more. And Brody's still not the... He's still a bit of the outsider. He's kind of watching over. But he comes and sits down and they, they're singing and drinking. And it's like... 
I honestly believe that's something that could never be recreated. I think it's a magical moment, a magical scene. And it might just be a film, like some people might just say, but how can you not sit there in awe of this performance by each of them? There's not one that's completely above the rest. They all just give everything. And it just, I don't know, It's I, you couldn't recreate that, could you? No, that's so true. And I think you're right. And something I agree upon there is definitely all three of them feel like real people yeah and that's i think that's really hard to get across effectively um, and something we'll, i think i want to talk about a bit later but i feel like in a lot of shark films now because it pretty much is its own genre now yeah they make they make the horrible mistake of giving you characters you could not care less about and they feel just two-dimensional and you're just waiting for one of them to get eaten basically whereas these are three guys that as you say they're all fleshed out real people and they're all yeah. very different, but you're, you're not waiting for any one of them to go. And, you know, they play with that. Um, yeah, they play with that really effectively. And as you say, that scene with um, Quint doing the US, as a USS Indianapolis speech yeah. is yeah, I just, just, I just amazing. There's nothing like it. You, I yeah. can't think of another speech in a film that has drawn me in and just kept me focused. I mean, my attention span is terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not joking. The fact I'm still talking to you now after 50 minutes is mad, but only because it's Jaws. But um, yeah. I just, I just can't believe it. Like, how do you do that performance? You know, it's just, it's, 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 it's a one-off for me. He, he does it with such conviction as well, yeah. doesn't he? Like, you, you, you almost like see the horror in his eyes of like, like he was there, and you believe it. You believe every word. Well, you said like as if he was there. When you say that, I'm like, but well, he was. But I'm like, oh no, no, of course he's not. <laughs> but he was. You know, yeah. it's that good. It's like yeah. no, he was there. He has seen those sights. He's been through that emotion. And I, it's only when you then say, I'm like, oh yeah, Quint isn't actually Quint. It's Robert Shaw, and he's an actor, and he's telling you, and it's a production, and there's a camera in front of him. Yeah. But I believe he was there, and it's got you. Oh God, I want to watch Jaws now. <laughs> I know I'm gonna. I guess uh, it is on my list of, of rewatches this week. Um, yeah. But the um, yeah, just a little side note on that. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Something my teacher pointed out when we were watching that scene, because um, it's hinted at throughout the film that Brody may have had some sort of experience on the water that wasn't positive. Yeah, you know, like, that's kind of sprinkled throughout. Which, as you say, like definitely throws him out of his depth and adds to that. But there's a moment where they're talking about um, scars from sharks. Yeah. And Brody's just sort of quietly in the corner, and he just almost like unconsciously starts rubbing a bit of his shoulder. Shoulder, and you think, is there yeah. something there? Yeah, they're, I just I love little details like that. Like again, I'm like, was that the actor's choice? Was that in the script? You just don't know. But like, there's just that little character detail where you're like, hmm. You think he's going to undo his shirt and just yeah be one of them and go well actually look I can add some to yeah. this as well but he doesn't he just it's brilliant it's very it's, subtle yeah like, I I didn't notice it until he pointed out and I was like yeah man. it does make you wonder with the character oh it's amazing you know there's so much stuff and I say the the score I mean if you talk about the score who doesn't know those two notes and it's two notes yeah like how <laughs> does just like how does that yeah. Just, I think it's, the, it's a, a root note and a minor second for anyone who cares. Um, so and it's, it is, I, I heard apparently Spielberg thought John Williams was joking. Yeah. When he first played it, he's like, no, no, what, what have you really got? He's like, no, that's it. Do, 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 do. And he, when he did it through, he was like, actually, that could work. It's, but it's, it's enough to kind of 
like you say, draw you in. And yeah, who who doesn't know it, man? It's it's incredible. It's the whole less is more. Yes. And then I also appreciate other bits in there. So when the film ends and we see Hooper and Brody sort of swimming back, because it's not just a single couple of notes, you get an actual piece of music and a bit of score. And then appreciate it. And I, I love that bit of music at the end. And I love throughout the film the other bits. But it's nice then that you don't just rely on just minimalistic music all the way through. So maybe the effect of just that dude is associated with the terror and the attack. So when it's all over and they're not, to then have a completely different bit of music with so much more going on, you're like, ah, oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, man. And again, it's something that it, I think, and again, we'll probably do more of these kind of more niche films or whatever. Again, I've I've left it very open-ended on this show, but something like this I, i'm amazed how much stuff comes out and um even though i think there's a twitter page the daily jaws i don't know how they manage to tweet about jaws every day and it's interesting so That's if anyone's great. on twitter go and find it it's awesome it's really really cool stuff um i just wanted to ask then on a, a slightly different tangent how do you feel then about the impact that this film has had in general because as we say when this came out this was basically a monster movie it was a summer blockbuster monster movie now it feels like shark movies are their own thing. Yeah. So how do you sort of feel about those? I mean, there's so many. I mean, there's a run on, <clears throat> well, I can't remember, is it the sci-fi channel or everyone mm-hmm. there's like two-headed shark attack and yeah. versus octopus and all this mega shark and all this. Like, I think there was even like sand shark. There's just so many. They're great for beer and pizza. Like if you want to be with your mates and just switch off and watch something like Sharknado 3, you're going to be entertained. The title is Sharknado. Um, yeah, don't set your bar too high. Yeah, like <laughs> all these ones, you know that the Meg was meant to be, I think, taken a bit more seriously. The Meg with Jason Statham, but again, I just knew it was going to be Jason Statham being Jason Statham ended up probably punching a shark. So there's not the attention to detail. There's not the character development, and mm. you've touched on this of about five minutes ago on this interview that you really do get the time in Jaws to f- know about Brody, Quint and Hooper. Films now are just too quick to be over. They're just too, there's not the character development on a film. I think it's because of the, no one really knows how or if it's even possible to even get anywhere near Jaws. You just do a comical, silly, attack film and or, or a, a stupid sort of jokey film like Sharknado there hasn't been really a serious shark attack film because why would you when there's something that's so good that's the holy grail why would you even attempt to try and get anywhere near it because you're just not going to even if you do the good film and it was directed well I mean it's is it shallow water I, mean, I don't know what it's called. yeah the shallows I think it was something the like shallow. that yeah all serious and that was done well but all you do after watching it is saying, that was pretty good, but now I'm going to go and watch Jaws. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It's like, it's not a bad film, but it's, it's just Jaws is Jaws. So when you say this, what do I think about them? I'll watch them because I'm obsessed with sharks. I'll read magazines about sharks. I'll read online. I'll watch Shark Week on the Discovery Channel and all this and find out loads about them. But, 
it's only because I love Jaws and, it, and it, it's an extension to that. So there's, there's always going to be these films coming out, but I don't know, it just seems like the cool thing, doesn't it, to release these stupid... It's like, who can get the most stupid title? I think Sean yeah. is winning. I but agree. When, you know, when you get like Megalodon versus Jesus Shark 5, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like just don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's like I yeah. I love the fact that they're probably in an office drinking beers and trying to brainstorm and they're like, like, let's come up with the most yeah. stupid title. Whoever yeah. wins will make the film. I agree. I, I imagine they're like in a room and they've just got a dartboard with like yeah. Megalodon, super crocodile yeah. and stuff, and they just throw in and just whatever yeah. lands are like, yep, yeah, that that'll do. Yeah, Mega Shark versus Super Cobra or something is like, yeah, yeah. that's fine. We'll have that. Yeah, it'll do <laughs> make it in a weekend. <laughs> is Tara Reid free? Yeah, right. <laughs> we're making it. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Some of these, like, actually, uh, funny enough, I watched a, uh, a video this morning of a marine biolo- biologist on YouTube breaking down shark attacks. And naturally, they open with Jaws and it's, it's really interesting. And then they show clips from other films. And a lot of these other films, it just feels like they just go and hire models or they just walk into their local gym. They're like, who are the most attractive people we can find? Yeah. And then we'll just throw them in this film and they'll get picked off one by one. And it, like you say, you end up just watching it going, I mean, okay, but I don't care. And funny you said the Meg. I remember watching that because you guys reviewed it, didn't you, on Skip to the End? Yes. You did, yeah. And I remember thinking the same thing. Like, there, there was one scene in particular, if I remember this correctly, it's on Prime if anyone wants to go and look at it, um, where there's like two characters and they're both trying to get back to the boat and it's like, it's evident that one of them's going to go. And one of the, I think the bloke sacrifices himself by making a load of noise or what. But I just remember watching that scene and there was no, I remember thinking, there is no tension here. There was no like, oh, what a hero. You're just kind of like, wait, who are these two again? I've seen them for like two minutes on screen. Like who, what? Well, then neither one of them is Jason Statham, so, you know, oh, whatever. Well. You, don't, you don't care. It's, <laughs> and maybe it's like you said, maybe coming back to it, the fact that people say, oh, it looks so fake. But I don't know about you. I find the fact that, I think it, particularly in the first Jaws film, it still looks pretty real. Yeah. You know, that first canoe attack in, in particular stands out to me as like, when you just see it underneath and it grabs the guy's legs, like... Terrifying. That's terrifying. And I don't know if it's because it's a real thing. It's I feel like now when it's CGI, yeah. you just, you just like, that's a CGI shark. Whereas when it's a real thing floating towards somebody, it just feels like, whoa, okay. It's weird as well because CGI can look dated. And I remember when The Matrix came out and it was my first DVD I bought. I remember buying like 20 pounds it cost me for that film. And I got it home from Dixon's and I just remember being blown away. Like there's nothing that's ever going to look as good as this. When Neo slowly going down and like bullet time effects. I was like, oh my God. And 10 years later, I remember, I think it was like after uni and stuff, I watched it again and it looked pretty bad. And I thought to myself, that's crazy that 10 years ago I thought it looked absolutely incredible, but now it looks poor. And yeah. I'm doing it all the time. I'm watching films now where the special effects were so good and they just look dated. You know it's a 90s film now. You know the film, you know, I can't think of really good examples off the top of my head, but, you know, 
you just watch stuff like The Mummy or Jumanji and it just looks like, oh yeah, that was a 90s film, you can tell the way it looks. If I showed you Jaws, you don't know that's a 70s film. When I show you John Carpenter's The Thing, you don't know it's an 80s film because they use these puppets or they use this practical effects and even stuff like The Labyrinth, if you think of those films, you couldn't actually put a date on them. And I think that's how you make a film a bit more timeless for me. I think, I think I know it's risky because sometimes it doesn't pay off and doesn't look as good. But look at like the alien design in Alien. Yeah, it's still scary today. It's yeah. Absolutely incredible. Literally looks like it was filmed yesterday. And I think that's why that scene of Jaws, when you're seeing it underwater, going for the legs. If that was CGI, it would look awful now. Yeah. Look you're right. It would look silly. Look at the Scorpion King. That's CGI people love <laughs> that now. So we don't want that. We don't want that sort of awful, awful visual effect. So to have that now, that's why I love Gremlins. You know, people say, why do you love Gremlins so much? Because real. Gizmo to me looks like something real. It looks like I could go into a shop and get that and have it bought me for Christmas and hope that it's the pet I've always wanted. The way it moves, the way its eyes moves. I know it's a puppet. I know it's obviously not a real Mogwai, but I forget when I'm watching the film. And I really do believe that, you know, Stripe and all the bad gremlins are real. And then when they talk about remaking it, you know it'll be CGI and it'll be animated and it'll just lose that impact. And I know I'm a kid stuck in the 80s and I'm obsessed with the thing and Jaws and stuff like Halloween, but there's a reason why they're classics and there's a reason why I keep re-watching them because they're done so well with so much thought, with so much care, with so much kind of creature design and building it and painting it and all that and all the work and craftsmanship that went into it. And that for me is like the ultimate payoff that it looks so good. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. And yeah, it is like a timeless thing, you know. Um, I, I still think it's reminds me like Jurassic Park is the same thing. Like, oh, well, that's the just, best example. Yeah, just because, again, just because it's a tangible thing, I think makes it, it I don't know if it's something in your brain that kind of just clicks and goes, oh, that's there. Because you know it's it's real and it's in this it's occupying that space that it makes it scarier. I don't know, but that T Rex scene, yeah. isn't it? Like, an introduction to the biggest, baddest, most dangerous animal in the park, and the way that we see the water just being flicked, and that has more impact than actually seeing it. But then when we do see it, I mean, it's on at the cinema right now because obviously cinemas are struggling with the coronavirus to do new releases, so they're bringing back old classics. And I think Jurassic Park was in the top 10 films of last week because everyone's going and revisiting it. You know, they're showing these classics at the cinema again. I've seen Jurassic Park at the cinema in the last five years. Honestly, it looked as good as the day I saw it. It looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right. There's, Jules definitely holds up to scrutiny. That's another reason I think people like yourself keep coming back to it time and time again because it's just hard not to fall in love with it every time and... I do find it interesting as well that even the sequels um, couldn't hold a candle to it. You know, I know because Spielberg left and yeah. Is there a sequel? I never heard about them. <laughs> Is it like an Indiana Jones is only three type situation for you? 100%. Yeah. We never what do you mean? There's only Jaws. 
Yeah, so that's it. That's all I'm having. No, do you know what? They're okay. They're always on ITV2 late at night. If yeah. You can't and you want to watch Michael Caine, and you want to watch just <sighs> ridiculous, stupid acting and terrible effects. Like, do you know what? It's fine. It makes you appreciate and love Jaws even more. So that's their purpose for me now. Yeah, I think Michael Caine like famously said, "I haven't seen the film, but I've seen the house that it paid for." And I'm just like, "Do you know what? Fair enough." I love his honesty. I love that honesty. Like, you know what? I paid for this mansion I'm in right now. Uh, and he had a week in the Caribbean. He was having a great time. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I'm pretty sure that I'm, it's funny because I saw those, you know, not that long ago. Like again, like you say, just Roman on telly, and I I remember looking at him thinking, "I'm sure that's the same shark." From the first film they've just reused it and it's just aged poorly over the last like 10 years they've just they've not bothered to look after it or clean it it just looks the same <laughs> I've, I've, a couple of times and i'll i've never I, I wouldn't i can guarantee now to you on this recording i'll never choose to go out and put them on and i would never sit through the whole thing but if i'm laying in bed and i can't sleep and i'm flicking through the channels i'll watch the last 20 minutes of it i will just do it because do you know what it's all right. <laughs> That's fair enough. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I guess compared to the again the original, it's it's nothing. And yeah, I, I think what you said before is is so true. It, it really was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And maybe maybe uh, well, tell me more about this then. What? Because I've been thinking about films of the seventies and eighties. It does feel like there was an era of filmmaking that we just don't see anymore. I mean, mostly it seems like things were going horribly wrong and people had to improvise a lot of the time. But we got some incredible films. Like, I know you've said this before on Skip to the End, that you feel like a lot of the modern films that come out and you guys have reviewed, you don't talk about them as much. You know, even no. the good ones, even the ones where you're like, I really enjoyed that. But then like six months later, you'll still be talking about Jaws instead. <laughs> That's my life. Um... <laughs> That's not just film, that's anything. Um, I don't know. I I always remember, like, growing up and my dad and my uncle and his friends and stuff would always be like, when I'm like, listen to Green Day. And they're like, oh, <laughs> nah, that's not real music. You want to listen to Elvis, son, and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Right. And I was like, I'll never be like them. I'm never going to be like them. You know, it's all about being fresh and listening to the new stuff. And I was always the same, you know, with films. Like, oh, yeah, you know, this dad, dad, come and watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's the best one ever. He's like, well, son, it's no Westworld. It's no, right. you know, the good, bad and the ugly. Dad, dad, you don't know what you're on about. What? That's boring. Come and watch this. Look, I've got Wayne's World. And I've become that person. And. You know, when people talk about music now, I'm always like, ah, oh, well, it's not like the old days when we used to get bands like Pearl Jam and early Deftones and stuff. And I do the same with film. And I realise that there's films being made right now that are absolutely incredible. There's directors out there producing work that is flawless. But for me, there's something about the 80s films, you know, get Gremlins, Goonies, Lost Boys. It's just this era of, no CGI, you know, a really good script. A lot more time went into it. You know, I watched The Goonies again recently and the whole production and the whole set and all the design of the One-Eyed Willie's ship and all the gold and everything and all the set design is amazing. And now it would just be CGI. And I know I'm echoing what I've already said, but, you know, it's just amazing how much time and how much attention to detail was spent on those films and Big Trouble in Little China, 
80s classic relied on really good performances from the actors the great soundtrack it's john carpenter they've remade it now loads of cgi loads of explosions that are over the top you'd have the rock you'd have jason statham i don't know man it's a really hard one to answer but i think they're classics for a reason and there's not going to be as many classics in 30 years. We'll talk about Inception. We'll talk about Donnie Darko. We'll talk about films that have absolutely changed the world, Lost in Translation, stuff like that. Right. They're really important films for today. But there's not going to be stuff like a Jaws. There's not going to be stuff like a Halloween. That first Halloween film for me is what is horror is all about. It's terror. It's a guy in a mask. I don't know. It's it's a real tough one, but they. I, this is my exact saying from my uncle. They don't make them like they used to, and they don't. I'm I'm my uncle. I'm a seventy year old man now in a thirty year old man's body. <laughs> I've become that guy, but it's true. And I'm yeah. really on the same page. They. <clears throat> I watch more films now from the eighties than anything recent. I don't go out and go to the cinema since skip to the end you know i've not been to the cinema since skip to the end ended really at christmas uh, obviously covid's had three or four months off that but i just prefer to sit in the comfort of my own home and revisit an old classic and i'll watch new stuff you know if it comes onto netflix but i don't know there's just nothing better than watching like die hard at christmas gremlins at christmas Summer blockbuster, right? Let's get Jurassic Park. Let's get this. Let's get that. There's, they're just timeless, aren't they? There's, you you said something on today's interview, which is the best thing that you notice something new every time. So if you're watching Jaws, people are listening right now may have not noticed Brody touches sort of collarbone a little bit. Yeah, that's such a big moment in the film, and I bet fifty percent of the people listening never noticed that, and now we're watching. Oh my god. I still watch Jaws now and notice little things. The way Quint can just look at the camera or just slightly off, the way he smiles and he's got a little bit of his tooth showing. It's just slightly arrogant, but it's not because he's afraid. And there's just these little bits. I just think no one puts that much. And that's unfair, I suppose, to say that filmmakers don't put that much attention in now. Maybe I'm just being ignorant, but... These films have more rewatch value. I don't want to just suddenly go and watch Fast and Furious 7 again and again and notice new things. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I agree there. It's, it's true. There, there is something about... I, th- I think what you've touched upon earlier is probably one of the biggest draws of Jaws is, as you say, not only is it new and it... Well, at the time, it offers you something different in terms of how it approaches a monster film, but it also has good characters like you say great scripts great directing music it has everything there to just keep you occupied and nothing feels like too much that's no. i always come away with that film it never nothing ever feels like it's overdoing it and it's nicely paced as well that was something else i, I wanted to sort of throw out to you I, I don't know how you feel about it but for me one of my favorite scenes is when he's with his boy in the kitchen and they're just doing like peekaboo and copying each other and yeah is that you're doing it now yeah exactly that it's it's so lovely because it's a lovely break from all the tension because by that point it's been ramming up and ramming up and ramming up and it's just Spielberg's like, okay, here's a quiet five minutes. And do you know what? That scene was never meant to be in there. They left the camera rolling yeah. uh, while they were filming the kitchen scene where obviously Hooper arrives with his glass of wine and they're, you know, kind of finish that food and all that. 
he left the camera rolling and the kid just started basically replicating everything that Brody was doing. So when he puts his hands on his head looking like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And the kid does it. They just left it and he just put it in the film. And I, I just, again, like you said earlier, something's happened with the mechanical, ro- uh, mechanical sharks that then made it, they didn't film any more footage because it was about what you didn't see. That scene was never probably set to be, oh, well, we'll have the kid mimic, do everything the same. It would be a lighthearted moment. Yeah, it just happened. It just happened. And that's the magic of the film. Like, okay, well, that looks really cool. I like what it symbolises. It's a nice moment. Like you said, it takes all the tension out of the air for a moment. It lets you breathe. And it's just amazing. It's a bit blurred. So it shows me that it probably wasn't meant to be in there because it's not as clear as the rest of the footage. So I think, oh, okay, so they probably didn't actually you know, focus properly on the kid's face. And then at the end, he does that little smile with his teeth showing like a growl. And again, it's just, it's just a beautiful moment. It's just a father and son. And it's just, you know, I just, oh God, I just want to end this interview and watch it all. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, this is one thing I was very aware of, actually. I thought by the end of this interview, Mark's going to be totally riled up and like, right, I need to go and watch. <laughs> Even though I'm sure you've got other things to do today. <laughs> you just squeeze it in in between. Yeah, it's only two hours, it's all right. <laughs> but no i love it um and again i thank you for your time on that one i i really think it is something that people should should just give it a go if you haven't already seen it i mean i, I know we're getting on like you know what are you doing with your life but i think famously on skip to the end ben hadn't seen it had he no and and, and he absolutely loved it so and it's one of those films i think i've never heard anyone who's seen it go oh i didn't like that no even if you're not a big horror fan, even if you're like someone who's, you know, ooh, ooh, makes you feel a bit nervous, you can still appreciate it for the other qualities which we've discussed here. You can still get something from it. At least I feel that anyway. If there's someone listening to this right now and they're like, I don't agree, I don't like Jaws, and they want to tell me why, tweet me, <laughs> literally tweet me so I can block you and make sure <laughs> and that you're dead to me because <laughs> I have never, ever met anyone that doesn't like it honestly every walk of life any age group people appreciate it people appreciate the story and one thing we haven't talked about and might shock you is it was only this year that i decided to read the book really i've never ever read the book and never felt the need i don't know why and i should have considered my favorite film and the story came from this book yeah and I didn't like the book. I struggled. The book is nothing like the film. And the book for me, and I will probably get crucified for this because I know that people that follow me on Twitter had a go at me on there for it. But it was just a book about an affair. And this is a spoiler. Um, It's fine, yeah. But obviously Ellen and Hooper get together behind Brody's back. And then the dynamic of that was obviously before the film. But I just didn't like it. And maybe it was because I was so in love with Brody and Ellen as this perfect couple. But in the film, I've had 20 years of absolutely loving them to as the perfect relationship, marriage goals. Yeah. And read that it was not like that. It just ruins it for me. And the book doesn't talk about this shark much. It's a weird thing. It's like they set up this whole shark attack like the film starts and then we get this introduction to okay so they need to capture the shark and then 
for two thirds of the book, it's all about this relationship breakdown and Brody doubting Ellen and the, the affair is a big pinnacle part of the book. And it's like, I don't care. I don't really, if I wanted to read that, I'd go and get a novel about a love story and all this. And then it ties it up in the end. It's like, oh yeah, and the shark died at the end. And I'm like, wow, like fair play to the guys making that then into a completely different story that works so much better on screen. And there will be people that argue and don't agree. And that's absolutely fine. But I just hated the book. Well, hate's a, a strong word. I really didn't get into it. And I was I was just like, I don't want to revisit that. Do you know what? I, I know I think you've got some good points there. I've not personally read it, but I've I've seen a lot of like side by side comparisons. Yeah. And a lot of people who I know have read it, like yourself, do have similar thoughts, actually. They they often say this is a rare example of where a film is better than a book. Yeah. Which it never normally is the case. No. Never normally will you get that. Um, but yeah, this, uh, uh, yeah, for all the reasons that you said, it seems it seems very it's, off focus. It's so different. It's it's really remarkable that they took that and then adapted a screenplay and script so different. Like, it's so different, dude. Like, it just doesn't feel like the same. It's just the characters are the same name. That's the only similarity for me. It was, do it because it's worth it, but... I'll never want to read it again. And wasn't that, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Peter, uh, is it Peter Benchley? Yeah. Yeah. I think he based the book off of, I think, a real incident in like 1916 or something. Yeah. I remember watching a one of those amazing like um, telltale documentary type things, you know, where there's like really weird acting in it and stuff. And it was apparently a series of attacks and he was like, oh, I can do a book about this. And yeah, I, I, you're right, though. I think that's incredible that Spielberg just obviously cherry-picked the bits he thought were good and like, right, we'll expand on this and we'll cut all that stuff out about relationships because, you know, like you say, that could be interesting in another film, yeah. in another story, but this is not what the story's about. And so, yeah, there's another reason for you. If you've not um, seen the film, it's a film that's better than the book. And how often can you say that? I, I'd be really surprised, maybe... Maybe I'm wrong. I can't imagine there's many people now mm. of our age group that have not seen Jaws. I'd be so shocked. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. There is is one of those things. It's I think in everyone's top ten in some form or another. And as you say, if if you don't find usually streaming services have got it now, um, just buy it. It's probably a fine Blu-ray, or just contact me and I'll buy it for you on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> I will play at you because it's the best present I would ever be able to give anyone. Even if you're a stranger, get in contact with me and I'll buy you the Blu-ray. There you go, folks. You can get a free Blu-ray from, from Mark. We'll, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> to five copies. Right, okay. All right. Fair enough. First five. First five yeah, to get First five. <laughs> That's awesome. Brilliant. Um, unless you have anything else to add, I was just going to say thank you for your time on that. Um, nothing else. I mean, I could we could make this a ten-hour special. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to, but <laughs> I would love to come back and do this for something else. Yeah, I, I was going to say um, I'd love to have you on for any number of things. I think I feel like Deftones is something we'd have to talk about. God damn, like it's it's yeah. really cool because you said to me when I first spoke to you, it's going to be about a topic of your choice, 
Mm. Well, I'm sat there and I'm like, well, my favourite bands are probably Thrice. Like, I cool. think that yeah. band from start to finish have evolved like no other band. I think Dustin, oh, let's not get into it because we'll end up being an episode, but <laughs> that, that, they are probably the best band for me of all time. Right. Big words, but it changes. But I, I absolutely think, but then I also think Jeff Buckley is my favourite musician and singer and guitarist. So I've got this whole, and he's influenced more people than anybody. So I think that would be a great topic. But then I'm like, I could talk about Mac and me because it's such a ridiculous thing, but I have justifications and reasons why I love it. And yeah. by the end of the episode, you'd be like, okay, he's an idiot. Everything he said is wrong. <laughs> Everything he said is complete utter nonsense. But right. do you know what? Fair play to the guy. He loves something that no one else does. Do you and, know what? You know, like, just on that, I, I'm with you there, mate. And, that, and that's kind of, as I said before, a little bit with other people and other guests, that is the aim of this podcast is it's, it is to explore why people love certain things. Yeah. You know, genres, hobbies, passions, whatever. And if you don't agree, if you don't like something at the end of it, if you're like, well, that's cool, but I'm probably not going to go and check it out. Yeah, fine. Don't worry about it. It's cool. It's just nice to hear an insight from another person, you know, and um, I think everybody is kind of a big nerd about something. Everyone's got something that they're deeply passionate about. Yeah. You know, whether it's, like you say, whether it's a band like Thrice, whether it's gardening, I don't know, whatever, chess, it's fine. I I just want to hear about it. So thank you for coming on, and I will 100% have you back on to do another one on, yeah, whether it's a band, whatever, Mac and me, why not? <laughs> we'll, do, we'll, do, we'll do a couple, because yeah. we don't just want to do another film um, straight away. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll do something, and um, one thing I've learned recently, more now that Skip to the End is no longer around, is that, and it sounds hot, like my, my love for film is still there, but I did it for five years. I talked about films every other week for three or four hours. And to have a breather and step away from it all gotcha. and be able to reflect is that now I can just enjoy films. I can sit and switch off from the reviewer mode of what's the cinematography like? What's the soundtrack like? What scores this going to be? You need to talk to Ben and Gemma about this. Make sure you've got some notes. Make sure that this and that. I can now, nearly a year later, just about able to just switch on a film, switch off and enjoy it for what it is. And it's a good feeling. And what I really am enjoying is just loving how people react differently. So Tenant is out as we speak, which is the new Christopher Nolan film. I've never in a 10 years seen a film that's had so much marmite up and down reviews yeah. so i jumped on twitter yesterday and tenet was training uh, trending so i clicked it and it's like worst film i've ever seen christopher nolan's finally dropped the ball absolutely embarrassing how the hell can you get around this so pretentious underneath absolute masterpiece he's done it again if you don't understand it watch it again it's flawless it's an automatic instant classic and i'm like not one of those people are wrong so my, my old mindset used to be like, no, no, you're wrong. It's not, apart from when it comes to Jaws. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that people can love it, can hate it, and they take away what they want. And I wish, I wish more people would just allow people to love or hate something and just let it be their opinion. It seems on social media more than ever, and that's why I take a break off Twitter, cool to hate something at the moment it's really cool to hate something and be like that one person that's political and wants to change it and if you don't like something absolutely fine that's cool put your comments out there 
but don't just attack it before you've seen it. Don't try and be that cool person that hates something because it's just cool to hate. You're automatically up against it when you release something now. It's like people are just waiting to find a fault with it, like the Batman trailer. Oh, it's the guy from Twilight. It's going to be awful. He can't act. He's an emo little kid. Well, in a trailer of footage that's only filmed a third of the film, I am sold. Yeah. I am blown away. The music of Nirvana being used, the tone, the darkness. You didn't even know that was Patterson. He looks brutal. He looks violent. It looks amazing. Don't be ready to just terrorize it before it's even finished filming. You're not cool. You're not a, you're not a, you're not special for doing it. And just just stop it. You know I mean? I, no, I'm with you, mate. I honestly I, I've been thinking more because I, I'm with you. I used to be very like you know, black and white and this is good, this is bad, blah, blah, blah. And then like you say, it's just opinions. Yeah. And more often than not, I think especially and I've, I'm developing a deeper appreciation every day just from like doing something as simple as a podcast, like creating something. Yeah. You start to appreciate how much effort goes into it. And like yeah. some, something like a film, I couldn't even imagine where you begin. So no. even if I don't like it, if you just go, well, fair play, at least they made something, at least they tried. And like you say, it's better to, to do that and just leave it than be that idiot that's ranting on the internet to no oh. one. You know, it's a... If you're, if you're one of those people, just, I don't know, put the phone down, walk away, yeah. go do something else with your life, just take a break, like Mark says, have a have a five minutes away, and... Go and buy Jaws on Blu-ray. Go and buy Jaws on Blu-ray, chill out, you Listen know. to the Mark and Me <laughs> podcast, available on Spotify and iTunes now. <laughs> and just, you know, that's what it's about. But don't attack people, stop. There's yeah. so much, this is going off topic, and, you know, it's, but... It's fine, it's cool. It's so much hate on the internet and it's so much negativity and i like to just sometimes go on there for a release from that i don't want to hear about politics all day i don't want to hear about people hating stuff and picking on people and fat shaming and racism and i just want to go and sometimes see a picture of a cat with a hat on or a nice plate of food and that's why i go on instagram and twitter or a meme or an off quote or something like that i just am getting sick of people ripping something to pieces and it being a cool thing of like yeah like stop it i'm with you there mate yeah it does feel like every tweet or image comes with a big side order of debate in the comments oh who cares who cares like just leave it alone but yeah that again i'm with you there and if you want to just take a break yeah go and buy jaws on blu-ray enjoy a classic film or Or, any other film or watch or watch the u.s office Yes. yes. Let's do an episode on that. I will happily do an episode with you on The Office. I just finished my annual rewatch um, yeah. with my wife. So yeah, I will 100% do that with you. It's all fresh in my head. And, and they don't need my shout out. But if anyone's listening to this and you haven't found The Office Ladies podcast yet, oh what are you doing? You're doing podcasting wrong. If you found me before you found them, like go and find it. It's brilliant. So good. I could also do Almost Famous. I think that's in me. Yeah, I think I, I could get a lot of topics out of you. So I will definitely rearrange and do probably a lot more if you're happy to come on. Hey, mate, at this rate, I'm trying to get more guests on and you've got, a, you know, at the risk of giving you a big ego, you have developed a good following. So I know that people would come and check it out if you came on here. So you we'll, never we'll, have to worry about that. We'll do it. And uh, yeah. yeah, we've got, 
I've got nearly 100 episodes of Mark and Me under my belt now. We had 130 yes. something of Skips the End. So mm. let's just do 100 episodes of Me and You. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly, mate. I was going to say you just... To... I'll interview you. You can tell me why you love certain bands and you love this. I don't know. Maybe one day if this gets enough of a following and people care, I've got a few topics I could definitely... Yeah definitely dive on um, let's do it yeah but thank you and yeah just to sort of wrap up then so where would where will people find you you've already plugged it several times but plug it some more um, that's fine <laughs> i am not going to plug my own account because i'm trying to not use it as much you get this thing on your phone screen time oh yeah <clears throat> tells you each week how long you've been on your phone yeah and it's worrying it's like yeah. this week you're up 12 percent. you now spend eight hours 41 minutes a day and i'm like oh my god so, <laughs> I'm spending more time outdoors, going on walks, living a healthier life. I'm good. definitely not doing that as much. So go yeah. on markandme.com. On there, there's links to like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, mm. Just come and say hello. What is Mark and Me for anyone who doesn't know? Again, there'll be like three people. Um, but... uh, it's a podcast where I interview people one-on-one and... It started just being films because we were getting offered interviews with Skip's The End. And I thought, <clears throat> God, I don't want to say no to this person, but it doesn't work with our show dynamic or our structure. So I thought, I'll do my own podcast. Um, and luckily started with Kevin Smith. And then we had Corey Feldman, Anthony Hopkins. And we've had people from Twin Peaks. We've had Mads Mickelson, Jason Mewes. Like, honestly, all my favorite people in the world. And then I just reached out and now I've got artists, I've got musicians, I've had bands like Thrice, um, Funeral for a Friend, Headers for Heroes, Ruben. And it's just, there's no one I wouldn't have on now. So I'm at a point where I'm enjoying it that much. If the milkman down the road had amazing stories to tell me about his life and doing the milk rounds, I'll get him on. I'm loving all the different stories from life. So it's changed in three or four years, but I'm just about to get to episode 100 and I'm, I've am i never been so proud or in love with the stuff I've just recorded, which isn't out yet. So if you are listening now and then you go and check it out, you'll enjoy the stuff that's coming up, hopefully. Awesome. Thank you so much for that and thank you again for your time. It's much appreciated, my friend. And there we have it, our conversation about Jaws with Mark. Mark, thank you so much again for coming onto the podcast. It honestly meant so much to me personally, and I'm just really grateful that you gave me the time, considering how busy you are. Uh, as he said at the end of the episode, folks, Mark is at almost 100 episodes of Mark and Me, not to mention the 134 episodes of Skip to the End that are also available. If you'd like to know more about Fundamentals and what we're doing here, though, you can reach out to me on both Instagram and Twitter at FundamentalsPod. And, of course, subscribe, like, tell a friend about this podcast, leave a nice review if you'd like. That would be greatly appreciated. And if you have anything cool you want to recommend to me, or even if you want to come on the show, potentially, that is very much an option. Reach out to me at Fundamentals on the social medias. All of that good stuff is linked below. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll be back again soon with another episode. But until then, stay tuned and stay safe.